0: Welcome to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we will explore the interesting stories of business executives, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders who are shaking things up and growing their companies. It is time to make some waves. Now here's your host, Tom Singer. This is Making Waves at Sea Level the podcast for those who shake things up in business and are focused on growth and success. This episode is produced in partnership with the Austin Technology Council. ATC is a 30-year-old association that is focused on promoting and facilitating the growth of technology companies in Central Texas. Over the past three decades, the business ecosystem of Austin has changed, and the Austin Technology Council is actively changing, too, Learn more at org. My name is Tom Singer, and I have hosted this podcast for over eight years and over 740 episodes. And I am also new in the role as the CEO at the Austin Technology Council. Now, while this podcast is not usually focused specifically on things happening in the Austin area, In the coming months and the past few months, I have been interviewing leaders from Central Texas about how we can help grow tech companies in Austin, and really, I think that advice impacts everybody. And today, we're going to talk about employee benefits, because if you're a growing company, that's one thing that's very important. It's how you help attract and retain employees, and it's something in many cases you have to do, and it's complicated, and it's expensive. So I invited one of the members of the Austin Technology Council and the president of Excel Benefits, Michael Bigley, to the show. Hey, Michael, welcome to Making Waves. Hey, morning. Yeah. Hey, thanks for being Good here. Morning, everybody. So what Michael does is he manages a benefits company to to assist employers in the purchase of benefits, and then they are a full service agency taking care of everything. And it's a little bit of a family affair because his two sons also work in Excel Benefits. So, Michael. Let's just start. How did you get into the benefits game? You've been doing this for thirty years.
1: Well, Tom, I started in the life insurance business back in nineteen eighty four, which is a lot of years ago.
0: That was when I. That was when I graduated high school. <laughs>
1: okay, and I'm on Medicare, but anyway. Uh, and then, basically, I involved from the life insurance business into. The benefit business full time by 1991, so that's 30 plus years in this in this business.
0: So, how long have you had your own your own shop? When did you start Excel Benefits?
1: 1991. Oh, there you go.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So let's let's talk a little bit about the history of benefits. I think some people, especially if they're younger, just assume that companies have always offered all of these different benefits and, and things like that. Give us a little bit of background.
1: Well. I would say when I first started in, in the benefits business in 1991, there was many more carriers involved. We probably had up to around 16 carriers, um, and with, through all the consolidation, the buyouts, we're probably we're down to like five major carriers. Hmm. We're sort of like the oil companies, I think. But um, <laughs> when you look at that. You know, you're looking at, you only got, I mean, there's other carriers out there, but the five majors probably handle about 85% of the healthcare business. You have Humana, Blue Cross Blue Shield, United Healthcare, uh, Cigna, and Aetna, basically. And I'm sure your listeners out there will probably have one of these carriers. My guess is. Pretty sure about that. So, so that, that's a change. Um, it seems to have been since 1991, we used to be writing business for an employee-only rate down to $25. <laughs> I remember. And these were low-deductible plans, um, very inexpensive, even back then, even if you count for inflation and everything. But now we're seeing rates for especially low, lower deductible plans, uh, hitting up to $1,000 per employee. We just had one come in the other day. The rate uh, was uh, $1,500 per employee. And well, so, yeah, and so I mean, those, those are the huge, huge change there. I, mean, I, I guess it's sort of like college expenses. <laughs> well, I don't know.
0: And a lot of those increases have happened over the last decade. When I when I went to work for myself originally 12 years ago to insure mm-hmm. my family on just a, a plan just for my family, it was about nine hundred dollars a month. And exactly. before I took this job where I went on, on the, the company plan, I was paying like $2,300 a month. So that's well over, over well, doubling. That
1: well over than what yeah. I've seen.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just been, it's, it's like, been crazy, especially they, if you're not, especially if you're not with a company, right? It, it gets really expensive if you're just a solo.
1: Yeah. If you're solo, it, it can be, I mean, and we, and we can talk about that a little bit. I think that that's important. I mean, and I can just lead into that for you. Um, why do employers give benefits to their employees or, or want a benefit plan let me put it that way uh, you know it is interesting and I've had clients since 1991 1992 I still have some clients you know if they haven't if they've, if they've been in, if they stayed in business I, I and I haven't lost them I, I still have some of these clients but what's interesting about it, even before even if you look at all these increases, not one of them have canceled their insurance. We've always been able to come to a solution but I find that interesting because if they didn't think that those benefits were important for their business, they would have canceled it because it's expensive for them mm-hmm. so I, I think you know you know from that standpoint. So when you look at the employer from the employer side, they do it to uh, increase the appeal of their company. Right. To um, attract good employees um, and promote employee health. Uh, Of course, that minimizes turnover rate. And of course, there are some tax advantages to it. So that's why I think from the employer side is is why they do this. Now, when you look at the structure, you, div- you can divide this from a structure of the size of the company, of how a- an Obamacare sort of basically um, gave us this structure, but from em- employees one to 50, you, you can buy, if there's a company that only has one employee, they can get health insurance. Group health insurance, um, and the one the one to fifty group, it's not it's not mandated that that size of group, they do not have to offer health insurance benefits to their employees. Okay,
0: but do most companies between? one employee to 50 employee do most offer it even though they're not required to, or is that, is, is there a percentage are you aware of?
1: I would say, of course, the smaller, you know, I would say that the the companies that are below 10 is probably in the 25 to 30 percent range you get above 10 up to 50. It's more pushing around 60 percent range from that standpoint. Um, And then you have your 50 and over, there's a mandate that the employer must provide health insurance to their employees from that standpoint. And if they don't, there's penalties that can be assessed and that a penalty can be up to, well, the minimum of that penalty is $2,570 per employee. Oh, wow. Uh, If they don't that—that's
0: more—that's more, that's more sure. than you'd be paying. So that's a—that's an incentive to make sure. Well, that it earn, could be.
1: Yeah. And it, it may—it may be, and it may not be too. Because that's about two hundred dollars a month. From that standpoint, oh, gotcha. So it's employers, we find a, a lot of them don't don't offer coverage, even though that mandate is in place.
0: So you bring up you bring up Obamacare, which changed a lot of the regulations. What are some of the big changes that have happened over the last 30 years that are regulations and and how they are impacting companies?
1: Well, on the 50 plus side, we just said that they're mandated to offer coverage from from that basis. Um, Health plans are required to offer certain benefits to their employees, Uh, for example, all health plans must offer mandated preventive benefits. No charge. Every year, the carrier must provide and pay for a full physical for, for the employees. So, so that's one thing. Another thing where employees or the carriers must offer limited out-of-pocket in other words, the most that a person's out of pocket is around eighty five hundred per year that that employee would have to pay. So if they have a two hundred thousand dollar bill, they've kept those out of pockets. It used to be before Obamacare, those out of pockets could be twenty thirty thousand dollars. So so that's that's another thing. Uh, Other coverages such as uh, psychologist, uh, psychiatrist, um, mental health benefits, and pregnancy, all are mandated under Obamacare. So basically, what it did it just it limited the out of pockets and increased what the carrier had to cover, the health plan had to cover. To put it in a nutshell.
0: So we try to make this show sort of an advice show. So let's move now into what companies should be doing. What, what should employers be expecting uh, of their health care? I mean, a lot of people probably have signed up once and haven't looked at it again for a long time. What are some things people should be expecting when it comes to renewals, et cetera? And what are some of the best plans, uh, types of plans to offer to make sure that you're being able to add a benefit that, that is
1: attractive to employees? Okay, well, that's, that sort of becomes a balancing act because what we, what we have to do from the employer's side is make it um, affordable. Um, you know, from it's, this, this can become very expensive proposition. And so if we look at it from the employer's side, um, what we sort of start with is a plan that from an affordability standpoint could be higher deductible basically, and even $5,000, $6,000, $7,000 deductibles if you can run an employer four to $500 a month. On the average, it's, they're running about $500 a month for that high deductible plan. Uh, and so we start from there, and that could be a base plan that the employer would offer to their employees. And then if you, if, if you want to get into the, um, the co-pays plans um, that become more expensive, what employees tend to do that offer their employees, they tend to say, here's what we call a buy-up. So, in other words, the employer may say, hey, we're going to cover this base plan for you. A lot of employees will do that. We'll cover either all of it or most of it. And then the employer will offer – maybe two or two or three other plans and say these are little better plans but the employee will have to contribute to that plan and so that seems to be where this is all going you know so we have what we call a base plan now let me tell you something about this base plan which is a misconception that employees have and this is as an agency that we try to communicate even though these base plans may have high deductibles, we try to tell the employee that they're still valuable to them. So let me give you an example. For example, on a base plan, let's say it's $5,000 deductible. Um, These plans have what they call a network. And these networks, many of them are very large networks. They include Many of them, 90% of the physicians out there, most of the hospitals out there. But here's the point. When you go and you have one of these base plans, and even though you go to the doctor and you're thinking, well, I got this deductible, that doctor visit is discounted in network up to about 50%. Oh, so
0: So, if you you didn't have insurance, you might be paying $1,000 for a procedure. You don't know what you're going to be paying. Right. But it's, 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 it's going to be discounted if you're part of the plan. It's going
1: to be discounted, and that is that is so important because um, you, you're just not out there where you don't know what you're going to pay. There is a discounted rate that, that the doctor's got to charge you. And uh, plus, even though there's a high deductible on that plan that the employer is offering to you, you have a 100% preventative care. Has to pay one hundred percent, no deductible, from that standpoint. And uh, a lot of these high deductible plans will have what they call telemedicine, where we you do your office visit over the internet through the insurance company for free. So even though the deductible is there, they will put into their plan if you if you do the telemedicine. Uh, benefit. There's nothing. It's it's for free, and so, um, and then on the back end, for a really expensive thing, let's say you had, God forbid, you you had an accident or you came down with something that needed hospitalization, the plan is going to cover you, even though that deductible may be five thousand dollars, and your out of pocket could be five or six thousand dollars. The hospitals are going to want you or are going to treat you because they're going to get a much bigger amount of money. That hospitalization is going to be 50, 60, or $70,000 is the point I'm trying to make. And you're going to be able, it's like your ticket into the hospital to have that, that card that they give you, that ID card that you have by the insurance company. It gets you into the, into treatment. And that's why. It's important that, and we tell this to employers because we, we hear this complaint, you know, the employer says, yeah, and they're worried. I've, you know, The only thing that I can offer right now is this high deductible plan. And that de- high deductible plan goes right to this, these employees and say, well, you know, that's not such a good plan. It's, let me tell you, it's, it's, it's very good coverage and communication is important from that standpoint.
0: Um, yeah, sometimes sometimes we don't think about what happens if that we just think about all the little stuff, you know, like I, I think only exactly. once, only once in my entire life have I ever met the deductible. However, that was my, my daughter was born with a birth defect that required some pretty massive surgery. And the, the, the top line of that bill before discounts and and other stuff was $300,000 and there was nothing out of pocket for my family. We didn't even have a copay on, on her hospitalization and, and her stay. Uh, We also had like the best insurance probably ever offered at the time. I mean, you talk about being in the right place at the right time. I was with a company that offered really high-end insurance as, as part of the, the, the pool on that. But again, we talked earlier about how much more expensive these plans have gotten, you know, on a per monthly basis or an annual basis for the employer themselves, but also for the portion that the uh, the the person has to pay. Right. What are some things that the employers should be thinking about when they come up every year? You know, in in around November time, it's that renewal thing, and everybody's always kind of scared. And some years they get hit really hard. What what are things that employers should be thinking about when it comes to the renewal period?
1: Well as I said uh, earlier that when we look at one to 50 lives, there's a plans out there that we can get the rates down if you have a generally healthy group. And um, now what I mean by that is that it's called, uh, it's called level funding. And basically it's, it's a, it's, You have to answer health questions. All your employees, if they're generally healthy, um, and these health questions are are done through our office, through through an agency, and what we do is, let's say you have 10 employees, okay? Um, we we, we, We send the questionnaire to the company. The employee logs on, answers the health questions, once we get that back into the agency, we send that out to five of the major carriers. All the major carriers gets gets the health questions um, for the company. And then we have some other carriers that we use uh, that are not as, I guess, prevalent up there, maybe name recognition. Uh, Allstate just basically came into the marketplace to do. And I'm sure most people have heard of Allstate, but um, what's my point? The point is that for for groups that want to go through this health questionnaire deal, you can save a lot of money. In other words, about 50% to Mm -hmm. 60% of what we call a non underwritten rate. Mm -hmm. In other words, if you have an unhealthy group, no matter what, how unhealthy it is, you could have a two-man group, and that person, one of those persons, can have cancer or, or a very serious disease. You can still be issued health insurance under the under Obamacare under under the under those rules. In other words, they can't turn you down, but you're going to pay fifty to sixty percent more than what we call. An unwritten rate. So you got a guaranteed rate, and then you have this other type of underwriting that your rates can really be substantially lower. Give an example let's just say, under the Obamacare high deductible plan, I think the, let's say for the Austin area, the San Antonio area, the central Texas area, you're probably looking at around 500 to 550 to 600 a month per employee. When we go through this underwriting, we've gotten these rates down to about 250. Wow. Basically. And so that's the big difference of the underwriting between one and 50, that you have this type of underwriting that can be done if the employer is willing to go through that health questionnaire. Not every employee wants to do that. You know, there's you know, there's questions about HIPAA and about, oh, is this information gonna be getting out there because you're doing this online, you're doing private information. But, you know, it, it it really is all private. And boy, we've been able to really get some reasonable rates for for employers on that standpoint.
0: So this leads me, this leads me to a really important question. And that is how important is it to work with a benefits group? You know, an agency that's going to really go to the mat for you. And, and how do you find, obviously there's your company, but how how does somebody find a group? How do you, how do you find a, a, an agency that's going to really go to bat for you and give you all the options? What's the best way to find help in this area besides calling Excel benefits?
1: (laughs) Well, the agency such as ours, and one thing I've been very fortunate when I brought my son and my, my oldest son into the agency about four years ago, he was technology savvy. Technology has really changed, Where well, it's changed our world, but it's really changed the business of healthcare and benefits and how we deliver benefits. And so, um, basically, the agency... Needs to be able to be very technology savvy, and 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 I'm going to say there's been a lot of consolidations in businesses like mine because when I started in this business back a long time ago, and then we had to move the agents our agencies for the technology, that was a tough deal for me because of my age. I mean, I I, we you know I. I base we did fax machines back in those days. We we would basically back in the early days we would mail in the census to get a quote from each of the carriers, and they would have to mail back the rates. But now it's everything is done, you know, uh, online. So basically, you have to get an agency that has the technology. And one way you may find that agency, you may say, hey do you guys do Zoom from the agency standpoint? And they say, what's Zoom? (laughs) You don't want to do business with that agency. (laughs) I hate to say because the carriers have demanded that also. They have demanded the technology for us to do. This is the way they want us to do it to become efficient. And when I said basically where we talked about the applications being filled out through the Internet, online, through our agency, and then we can send out all those bids to all these different carriers that a lot of agencies are are still doing the paper type of stuff so it's really the technology savvy if you're going to pick an agency that's really in my opinion the most important do they know this technology and do they know how to utilize it because the carriers because we got to deal with these carriers right and if the agency does not have the technology to deal with the carriers as they want, because they want their employees to be efficient too. Yep. They're not going to give, they may not give the better rates to that agency for their clients. So
0: that's the, it's the technology. So as we wrap this up, what is the one thing you wish every company knew about benefits that you find that people really don't understand? What, what do you, what do you wish every, every business owner out there who's looking at this issue really, you know, what what are one or two tips that you just say, God, I wish everybody understood that
1: that they are important that it is a a good capital investment to attract and to retain employees and that's what I that's when I when I went back to saying all of these groups that I've had or these companies that I've had back in the 90s that I still have they never canceled their benefits okay that's the same thing so they must be thinking it is a good investment So that's the one thing. Uh, I think, from the employer's side. The other thing about it is that even those, these rates have gone up, and I think that's what you say from this aspect of um, the shock, the employee employer has got to say, oh, my gosh, where are these rates are going to go this year? Because they don't want to have to tell their employees either, you know, that they got this big, hit on their rates and that the contributions level from the employee standpoint, is going to go up. I mean, what employer wants to even tell their employees that? Okay. The thing about that, we can deal with it. There are certain things that we can do that we've been able to deal with it. Uh, and, 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 and don't fear that in my opinion, if, for the employer to be offered the employee's benefits. We can deal with that because we've done it every year and we can deal with it.
0: Nice. So Michael, if somebody would like to find out more about you and about and about Excel benefits, how do they find you?
1: Um, well, it's uh, our website is uh, www.getexcelbenefits.com.
0: Getexcelbenefits.com is how they find yeah. you. Awesome. Getexcelbenefits.com. That's great. And I'm sure if they, if they have questions, they can set an appointment and chat with you more.
1: That'd be great. Yes, I'd be happy to uh, answer any questions you have, even if you don't want to do business with us, you can't do business with us because of your uh, current broker. I'd be happy to answer any questions you have. Awesome! thank you for your time.
0: Awesome. And thank you for joining us here on Making Waves at Sea Level. And thank you for your support of the Austin Technology Council. Hey, little spoiler for everybody. In about a month's time, sometime in late November, the Austin Technology Council is going to launch its own brand new podcast called Austin Tech Connect. So be sure to look for that wherever you get all of your podcast joy on your favorite podcast app. That'll be coming out sometime around Thanksgiving 2022. Austin Tech Connect will be the new platform for interviews with leaders in the Austin area who are making a difference, shaking things up and helping grow the ecosystem of the Austin tech future. All right, thank you for listening to this podcast and please subscribe to Making Waves at Sea Level on Apple, on Spotify or wherever you're getting that podcast joy and go out there and make waves of your own in business and have some fun along the way. But whatever it is you do, find a way to positively impact the people who you encounter every day. Thank you for listening to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast. Without your listening to these in-depth conversations, there would be no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram at TomSinger.